This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Back on the beat on this Thursday. We took Wednesday off because we had an early morning basketball game, and boy, it was fun to broadcast. We knew there would be a lot of kids there at the Yingling Center. We didn't know how many, and it was a tremendous crowd and a win for the Bulls that featured a notable return to the lineup from Maria Alvarez. Again, you will hear some of those highlights and from Maria herself on this show. Since we didn't do a show yesterday and the baseball schedule was released on Tuesday, definitely wanted to hit up on some of the highlights, especially the non-conference schedule. And we did some digging. Man, it is an amazing schedule. Sometimes there's some, you know, plant them in there, easy series against teams that don't have great records. Uh, that is not the case for Billy Mole's team coming up next spring. And next week, by the way, anticipate the softball schedule. I might give you a little small hint as some of the things to look forward to there. Before we get to women's basketball and baseball, certainly want to mention the newest member, at least announced member, of Alex Golish's coaching staff. And in a couple minutes, yeah, we all... Had certain reactions, I'm sure, to Antonio Greer deciding to spend his graduate season at UCF on the football field. Well, you'll actually hear what he had to say about it, and you will not be surprised that it was pretty darn classy in just a few minutes. But the new member of Coach Golish's staff is the guy who was the quarterback's coach at Iowa State for the four years that Golish was there. And his quarterback during that time happened to be one Brock Purdy, you know, the guy that is better than Tom Brady. Sidetrack, you know, I took a lot of, well, not a lot, a little heat for saying that I stopped watching the Bucks game a couple weeks ago, and they just weren't entertaining. Of course, they scored the two touchdowns late, and as I said, was happy they won. I missed the game this past weekend in San Francisco completely. Was it entertaining for a Bucks fan? Anyway, Purdy is pretty good, and yes, his quarterback's coach was Joel Gordon. Cyclones were 3-9 and nine the year before Golish and Gordon arrived, and ended up in that 2020 season getting the best record in the Big 12 and making a New Year's Six bowl game. And the offense was a big part of it. Purdy, by the way, set or tied 32 school records and, of course, is now quarterbacking the 49ers. He was selected by them in the draft with the last pick. This past season, with no Brock Purdy, they were still okay in the quarterback position. Hunter Deckers was second in the Big 12 in passing yards and completion percentage, 66%, more than 3,000 yards, led the conference with 302 completions. As Coach Golish said on GoUSFBulls.com, Joel and I worked closely for four seasons at Iowa State. I saw firsthand his abilities as a coach and recruiter, as we were part of a tremendous turnaround and success with the program. I know he will have great impact on our quarterbacks and program at USF. Before he went to Iowa State, and a second mention coming of this school, unbelievably, which I don't think I'd ever mentioned before this show, or at least before yesterday's basketball game, Shepherd University, small school in West Virginia. That was his alma mater. He was a quarterback there. He spent five seasons coaching there. And the team won three titles as he was their quarterbacks and wide receivers coach. He was also, before that, offensive coordinator at a D3 in Virginia, Emory and Henry. So the coaching staff continues to get built as of this recording on a Thursday morning. Five official members of the staff, including, of course, the head coach. You can see it at GoUSFBulls.com. 
We said that Antonio Greer had some thoughts about USF. If you want the whole thing, you can go to ucfrivals.com. I don't hang out there very often, but Brandon Helwig works for UCF Sports and is one of the more, let's just say, down-the-line guys who's not always looking to tweak and frankly does a great job. Actually had a full interview with Antonio Greer. Again, if you want to go to YouTube, you can watch it for yourself. Definitely not going to play you all the clips about how he ended up at UCF, although he interestingly mentioned that Southern Cal and Cal Berkeley were both interested, as was Mississippi State, and he ended up not even making those trips. And yes, he realizes that some of his former teammates, we saw Day-Day Evans on Twitter, who's, if you missed it, out of the transfer portal, back with the Bulls, gave him a little heat for it, but here's some class. Not that you'd expect anything else. Wanted you to hear it, though, from Antonio Greer. I mean, from the guys that I know, that's my guys. They called me and congratulated me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, pretty much everybody called me for me. You know, they're proud of me and stuff like that. And um, my biggest thing, I thank God we ain't got to play USF no more. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to play them this year. So, or any more, period. And that was like a, a, another big thing for me. Like, oh, I'm going to leave the school and we're going to play them. I'm like, ah, oh, snap. <laughs> so, I mean, my heart is with USF, man. I got my, my undergraduate degree. I'm honestly working on my master's right now. I'll just pray for them. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been nothing but good to that university, to the fans, especially to the community. I love that community. And I'm about to do the same thing in, our, in the Orlando community with community service and interacting with fans and doing all that great stuff. I want to be doing all that stuff. That's just who I am. I think the most significant thing about all that was him saying, you know, thank goodness they don't have to play USF, meaning he's not looking to get, quote-unquote, USF. He's just taking the opportunity to spend his last season well, in the Big 12, which I guess you could understand from that point of view. Now on to women's basketball. Big return for Maria Alvarez for the Bulls. We were seeing her on the court before the game. Frankly, I've seen her with the team practicing for it seems like months, but you can't just rush back from a torn ACL, a second torn ACL at that. And it turned out that Wednesday morning, yes, Wednesday morning, was the opportunity for it to take place as the Bulls were going up against a Marshall team that was 5-3. and three featured a couple of notable additions via the transfer portal, and one of them really had a big impact on this game. In fact, the Bulls could not stop Rochella Scott in the first half. The beginning of the game was wild, and not just because of the 4,000 elementary school kids in the background. What a fun broadcast. Here's a little bit of the beginning of the contest. Chinecki will try and drive on Beeman, who jumps out on her. Going to go underneath to Brito and is swiped right away by Scott. She looks to push. She will do this anytime she gets a chance to up and in. Rochella Scott, and there's our first sign of the kids. They'll get into it. I don't think those kids traveled from Marshall, but they no. root for that basket. I think they're excited to see points scored. Absolutely. We'll see if Chinecki can hit a three. There you go, kids. Root for that one. And Chinecki gets an open look, three to two. All in. Chineke, she's picking up or she left off. She looks so smooth and in rhythm. Great pass to her. Good quick shot. First set, and Scott will jack up a three Woo! first thing and knock it down. She is not afraid to fire up, and she is a type of player who will put it in your face. She makes it five to three. Marshall Beeman, who can shoot the ball now. She's prodigious, but hasn't gotten loose here today. Scott wanted to pull from distance on Chinecki. Now crosses her over, no, and a, a four-point play possible. She's right in front of the screaming. She absolutely flopped, but that was what we were talking about. She's got an attitude. 
And she put up a rainbow three while being fouled. It's 13 to 12, Marshall. You know, I had to go back and look at Southeast Missouri the last two years where she averaged 10 points. And, you know, did she just gear up for the big opponents on their schedule? Because she put up 20 in a game at Purdue this year and was averaging 16 points per game. And, yeah, she took over. But fortunately, she also must have gotten tired because in the first quarter, she was pulled with four minutes to go. At that time, the score was just 15 to 14. The last 240 of the quarter was all Bulls. Beeman takes over as the top option. Scott, Sydney Scott's not bad. Off the inbounds. That's good to see. Chinecki has not been great with the shot so far, but that was a nice right side baseline jumper for 17 to 14. A perfectly run out of bounds. Wilson bounces to Chinecki. Oh, Euro step around. She is heating up. She takes Beeman to school, and it's 19 to 14. And up with the left hand, a beautiful basketball play. Driving with her right hand, goes, extends her right side, fakes it. Beeman goes, falls for it, goes right, and she goes up with her left. Reeses gets the look, puts it down, changes hands masterfully, no good. Danny Gonzalez battling for the board and puts it in. Danny Gonzalez, that's what she does. Hustle and effort, and it's 21-14. For Bulls fans, very reminiscent of Elisa Jenkins, a former power forward for the Bulls. Great rebounder, great lift off the floor and puts it back apart. The Bulls have run off the last nine points. Marshall has only hit one of its last seven shots. Quisius has yet to attempt the three. They're really focused on her with Miller. A long two, though, rims in. Boy, talk about a shooter's roll. It rimmed around the front, looked like it was going to shoot off on the left side and caught enough backboard to drop in 23-14. because of the defender, Sammy kind of shot it on the way down, so she really had to give it some lift, and that really served her well there in getting that shooter's roll. Well, Shayla Scott is obviously the key to this offense, as good as Abby Beeman is out there, because they look really stuck without their top score. Miller, not a score, misses a foul line jumper, and the Bulls look to run with it. Chinecki with Sydney Scott on her, 22 seconds left to go in the quarter. Bulls could hold for one. Dulcie will try a foul line jumper and knock it down. The run is up to 13 for the Bulls, and it's 25-14. 11 for 15 in the quarter, assists on nine of the 11 shots. And even though Rochelle Scott had a fantastic quarter, the herd did not look like they were going to be able to stop the Bulls. It was a 25-14 quarter. It was a 25-20 second quarter. Favor of Marshall, quite a crazy first half, but the second quarter featured a big-time return for the Bulls in the form of three-point specialists and backup point guard. Worth noting, the Bulls, of course, have Ariel Wilson starting the game. They've tried a couple of freshmen at the backup point spot. No one has really taken that over, but I think we've got that spot filled now. Switch it over to Chinecki. Maria wants it. it yeah, is. she's wide open. First shot of the year. Good. Maria Alvarez. What a reaction by her teammates on the bench, by the way. Great. Welcome back for Maria Alvarez. It's 32 to 20. I'm so glad for her. You know, she's not, doesn't express a lot of emotion, but she even had a little smile on her face. I'm sure that felt great. We're definitely not done with Maria Alvarez highlights, but for those of you who don't fully realize, just as a freshman comes off with 34 made threes, 41 in her sophomore season, 36 last year, but two separate ACL injuries, but also the ability to come off the bench and again, play the point is going to be a big factor and as much as she had the headlines deservedly there was another three-pointer in the second quarter which off the bench might have been not equally significant but pretty darn up to Priscilla for a wide open three good shot Priscilla Williams she can hit those 
And she does, 35-24, just four for 19 from the floor coming into this one. That could be potentially a big confidence boost. Yeah, I'm glad to see her hit that. I just feel like she's been a little off on her shot. She had time there to set it and get a good release. In a season where, frankly, outside of Daniela Gonzalez, the Bulls have not got a whole lot off the bench. To see those two come off and Emma Johansson also hit a three in that second quarter, the type of contributions that you would hope for. So at halftime, it was 45 to 39, and the Marshall Thundering Herd would score the first seven points of the second half to take the lead. But Maria Alvarez to the rescue. Second half highlights, you'll hear from Alvarez herself. Some great comments from Elena Chinecki about her teammate. And you'll also get, yeah, the baseball schedule news. What a schedule for Billy Mole's team. That's all coming up on Bulls Beat. Stay tuned. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Before we get back to women's basketball, I want to wish a happy birthday to Brian Gregory. I actually saw him yesterday morning as I was making my way into our broadcast location at the Yingling Center, and he was keeping an eye out for one Jake Boggs, who had that ankle turn during that game on Monday night, which, again, we're replaying plenty of. What a thrilling finish, but also worth noting that the Bulls were down to seven players at the end. Let's hope to see guys like Corey Walker and Keyshawn Bryant be able to return to the team Pretty soon, DJ Patrick as well. They've got a lot going on, and let's hope to see a fuller squad and another win, hopefully, on Friday night against Dartmouth. Of course, we'll preview that game for you on tomorrow's show. We'll also preview the Saturday afternoon game for the women going up against LaSalle. But back to the highlights from the game against Marshall. And, yeah, the three-pointers that were just dropping in freely there in the second quarter made it look like it was going to be an easy day, but... After Sammy Puisis drove the lane for a 40-30 lead, the Bulls did not make a field goal for more than eight minutes. Again, they were able to get some free throws there to salt away the end of the first half, but only a six-point lead, which would go away in the first four minutes of the third quarter. And then Maria Alvarez, yeah, they're glad to have her back. Here's how that went. You see Brito trying to start that fast break there in the secondary break. There's nothing there on the break. Brito, top of the key over to Puisis, pops open for a three, looks no. short, and it is way short. It's an air ball. Now Beeman looks to push the pace. Their point guard, Scott, wants to drive in on Dulce, stops and pops, and it almost drops. But Wright gets the rebound, oh, foul, foul, and scores. And it is a tie game, and Marshall looking to lead it. What a stunning turnaround in this game. Wright misses the free throw. Uh, Brito and in the lane early. That is a mental error. Shania Wright, who's a four-year player at Georgetown, didn't score that much, averaged around three points throughout a career, but only had two points coming into this game all year for Marshall. Just hit three in one trip, and Marshall now Bulls has the lead. Bulls fans are still up on their feet. You should note this. You and I have had some lengthy times in the third quarter where Bulls fans have been on their feet. This might be one of the longest. We're down now. About to four minutes they've been standing, waiting for the Bulls offense to get going. Bulls overall shooting percentage is still nearly 55 because of their hot start, but obviously that does not carry uh, over right nothing. now. Alvarez couldn't is. throw it in. They hand it off to her. You've got to put up that three. Looks good, and it is. Maria Alvarez, welcome back indeed. Ends the long drought for the Bulls and puts them back on top, 48-46. We missed that. Uh, yes, it's such a beautiful shot, right? It's got great backspin. And a fine, but LaFon misses the layup. She averages less than two points a game for a reason. Maria wants to pull, but hands it off instead to Sammy Parises. you got Johansson, Brito, and Chinecki out there. Chinecki wants the ball. She's Maria's going to take a three instead. And one! 
She was fouled while shooting the three. Two quick ones from Maria, and all of a sudden, that deficit has been wiped out by one ball. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I could not be more excited for a player, really. Really. So they're saying that was a foul off the ball. Should still count. Yeah, they held up the three, and so the Bulls will get a chance at a big possession here because the foul was off the ball oh, as the shot again. was going up. I, you don't see that very often. Yeah, so this could really work out. Now Scott is all over Maria. Oh, Alvarez. yeah. This is going to be quite the matchup here at point guard. Janecki, oh, takes it to the hoop. A five-point trip and a real quick eight-point run by the Bulls, 53-46. to 46. I mean, how exciting for Maria Alvarez. I'm so excited for her. She's worked very hard to get back. Not one part of me is surprised that she hit three three-pointers, but if you would have told me to give the context, I would have said, you know, they would have been up by 13 or 14 and a couple of tack-ons to end a couple of quarters. No, these were important shots. At least those two were. And right when things didn't look good, as you just heard, she was the one to turn them around and then they eventually got into a real groove. Now Puisis, I guess a couple of great screens, pops open for three, good. Sammy Pui for three for the first time today. And the Bulls lead is back to double figures just like that, 61 to 50. Helps to be able to make threes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Maria with a couple of them. Now the crowd getting even louder, which I did not think was humanly possible. Asensio off the screen, gets picked up by Beeman. Now Dulce wants to set one for Marina with 12 on the shot clock. Can't shake loose. Asensio drops it off Priscilla Williams, puts her head down, Good tries pass. to find Dulce. Great cut, great look by Priscilla. And the largest lead of the day for the Bulls is 13 at 63.50. Much better execution. Flashing is Dulce, but Chinecki guarded well by Sidney Scott. Now over to a wide-open Danny Gonzalez. Knocks down the three. She is reliable and, again, is going to be left open for that shot because everyone's worried about the rest of the Bulls, and she makes it 67. 53. She does. It's got a lot of backspin on it. Rochelle Scott off the screen drives in, and Dulcie with a great defense on her. Bulls almost lose that rebound, but Danny Gonzalez there to claim it. Now Williams looking to run and could take it all the way out to a wide open Chinecki for three. Good. Nice running the break by Priscilla Williams, and this is a 17-point game, and Marshall needs a breather. Elena Chinecki has 16 points. Dulce just got to 17, and the Bulls are back in their groove on offense. It's 72 to 55. So you heard the game was decided then. Yes, Marshall would score some buckets. In fact, the last six points of the game as they turned on the full-court pressure against the Bulls' backups. Don't know if you caught the Jose Fernandez post-game press conference, but before we get to Maria and L, he definitely wanted to mention that. Before we get to the crowd and everything else, what were we so upset about at the end of the game there? Are you okay, buddy? Well, here's the problem that I have a problem with. You know, we're up, you know, we're up, what, 16, 17? And, you know, I got five freshmen out there, and then you decide to start to press. That, that's huh. what I got upset about. Mm. You haven't pressed all game. So... That's what bothered me. Hey, kids, the attendance today was 5,576. Eighth best crowd in program history for women's basketball. Outstanding job. What can you say? Because a lot of them are still hanging out here. Well, I tell you what, the two people that did a great job with this, making it happen, uh, you know, Shalise Common and Jackie Grant just uh, did a fantastic job making today happen. Outstanding. And coach, today 25 assists on 29 made field goals. And we got to see Maria Alvarez come out, make her first shot, make her second three. You've got to be excited about the assist number and about seeing Maria being a part of that. Yeah, you know, uh, it was good to see her back on the floor. Uh, 
when, when, when a kid's out for an ACL, she's been working so hard to get back on the floor. It's happy to see her to get some success. Side note, I guess the band was uh, tired of being outshouted all day, so they wanted to crank it up right at the beginning of our interview. So if you know anyone that plays in the pep band, they do a great job, but maybe not when they're trying to pipe our interview throughout the course of the Yingling Center so that people could hear it. Now, when things had quieted down, first of all, they actually didn't because there were a lot of kids there looking to get autographs, Priscilla Williams, Grabbed the pen live from us on air and went up into the uh, rafters to help out some kids. In that regard, it was really a great scene. And by the way, yeah, she had, I think, a noteworthy performance with her eight points, two threes, and two assists. And so for a game where Dulcie Fank and Mengiadu had 17 points on seven to nine shooting, held to five boards, which for her is seven below her average. Elena Chinecki, 16 points, seven assists. Ariel Wilson, no points, but six assists. Carla Brito went for eight and seven. Danny Gonzalez, seven and eight off the bench. Yeah, the player who only attempted a handful of shots got the head billing. That's Maria Alvarez. Here's some of her followed by Chinecki. Well, I think this was all kind of like pre preparation, like in weeks in advance. Um, you know, our trainer, Aaron, she made sure that before this game, um, I was mentally prepared aside from physically. You know, I've been working really, really hard physically wise, but this past week was a lot of mental stuff, you know, get the nerves out, getting the anxiety away and all that. So I think yesterday prepared me a lot. So today the nerves wasn't really there, kind of got in and I was just, at one point adrenaline hit and I just kind of like blacked out and just, it was fun. I was really excited to play today. How big was that, that first three pointer going down for just your mental? I think for any shooter, just seeing that ball go in the first time, uh, sets the bar really high for the rest of the game. So just getting that confidence back, it's been like nine months since I've been able to shoot um, in a game. So just seeing that ball go in, you know, it was really exciting. It made me really happy, and this one was super excited for me too. So that gave me a lot of confidence as well. Um, I think it was a lot of maturity, um, and I was definitely a lot mentally prepared for this time around. Unfortunately, I had to get mentally prepared. But, um, yeah, I was just a lot, like, really mentally stronger, um, also physically stronger. So... A lot of those things, I was just more excited to join the team for my senior year. So there were so many different factors that just motivated me to get back. Yo, what kind of boost will it be for have, having Maria back in your life? This is, let me take the mic now. <laughs> this is great because we've been watching her, working on her, on her knee for so long. And, and just her being back, it's just like our team is getting bigger and, and better. And... That's just what happens. It's just getting better. And then Caitlin will come back as well. And we only getting better. That's the only thing. Awesome stuff from Maria. And, boy, she just stays so engaged with the team. She's the one that, you know, during the starting lineups is sort of the choreographer for each of the starters. But, you know, she was just dying to get back out there on the court. And you could hear the sheer joy in Elena's voice about having her back on the court. And also you could hear her give a little hint at Caitlin McGee, the transfer from Ole Miss, who could certainly help out. And if the Bulls can get that bench lined up and ready to go next week, especially in San Diego, that'll be a big deal as they take on number three Ohio State and either Oregon or Arkansas, both who are in the top 25. And how about the fact that I just gave a full recap of a game and I'm only now mentioning Sammy Puises' scoring line. She has been the leader for the Bulls along with Chinecki in the scoring regard all year. Only had to shoot two threes all day. The Bulls were 10 for 20. Again, from the if you'd have told me department, if you'd have told me they'd gone 10 for 20 and Puisis would only hit one, I would have said, wow. And it's exactly what happened. Three for Maria scored nine. Chinecki two for two. 
Priscilla Williams hit a couple, and then Johansson and Gonzalez off the bench. So again, on tomorrow's show, we'll tell you about the matchup against LaSalle, which is off to a good start. Bulls now 9-3. and three. Saturday at 1, if you want to come on out to the Yingling Center. Plenty of chances to catch the baseball team this year, and man, the schedule was released. We'll talk to Billy Mole sometime soon. Our schedules aren't matching up as far as us both being in town. He's actually on a little vacation this week, and I'll be in California next week. But we'll get his thoughts on it. But real quick, you can see the whole thing at GoUSFBulls.com. It's very Jose Fernandez and women's basketball-like. Now, you're not going to have a bunch of road trips to top 10 teams, but sometimes, we'll just say it, you know, you, you kind of schedule series in there where you're going to grab a, a sweep. You know, it's almost a guaranteed sweep. There's nothing like this here. As the Bulls schedule includes, we're talking about non-conference. You can't control your conference, and the American's pretty solid. But you can control your non-conference schedule. 32 games on the non-conference schedule, and only five of them are teams that had losing records last year. And they're all state teams that the Bulls play every season anyway. Two against Stetson, which was 26-29. and 29. Two against Bethune-Cookman, which was 27-32. and 32. And then one against UNF, which was 11 below 500. So essentially, not only some of the state teams like FAU and FGCU, both were 12 above 500 last year. You've got above 500 teams, and the non-Florida teams that they've scheduled are basically all really, really strong. And in some cases, were NCAA tournament teams last year, including Maryland, to start things off, is the team that won for the first time the Big Ten Championship last year. Yeah, Maryland was a regional host, went 44-10 and in the regular season. That's who will be coming to USF to start off the year Friday, February 17th through Sunday, February the 19th. After that, the Bulls home against the Gators on that Tuesday, then go to Gainesville the following day. Of course, Florida was a regional host. Now, Maryland, which lost to UConn and Florida, Oklahoma didn't advance, but Come on, those are some strong teams. And they head to FAU for a three-game series. FAU, as I mentioned, 12 above 500 to Tallahassee. They host Northeastern after that to start off March, at least the first weekend in March. That was an above 500 team. Then one game on a Tuesday at USF against Pitt, which seems strange until you look at Pitt's schedule and you realize they're just hanging out in Florida. They're starting their season in Sarasota against Maine. They go to Port Charlotte to play Harvard, and that's why they'll duck in towards sort of the end of their Florida stint and play the Bulls for one. They actually go to Tallahassee to start ACC play right after that. Smart scheduling by Pitt Baseball. Yeah, we'll talk to Coach Mole about this. We're not going to go down the schedule one game by one game, but we'll add that the other two NCAA tournament teams, they'll play a two-game set against Army and VCU, which last year was a 42-20 and team beat Georgia and North Carolina in Chapel Hill to start off the NCAA tournament. They were the 2-0 team, but then the Tar Heels got them twice. That's just the non-conference schedule, along with a trip to Long Beach to play the Dirtbags. That's right. Every other Long Beach team calls itself the 49ers because the school was founded in 1949. But the baseball team, Evan Longoria and them, are officially the Dirtbags. They've made it to the College World Series four times. Their last Super Regional visit was 2017, so what a schedule. And yes, the conference includes home and away with UCF, including starting off the conference slate against the Knights in Orlando. So if you want the whole thing, head to GoUSFBulls.com, and again, we'll talk to Billy Mole about it next week. That's going to wrap up our Thursday show. I'm Derek Sharp.